Yo fam, Coach Sam with Strong Gents Coaching, uh, where we help men get physically, mentally, and socioeconomically stronger in life. Our program is hosted mostly online, as well as through live virtual coaching. It's a membership website where you sign up and you get access to every course and every resource that you will need at your disposal uh, for the duration of the 12 weeks and longer if need be. It's a low barrier to entry program, meaning it's not going to break your bank and it doesn't require a lot of time. These lessons have been recorded in a way where we offer the greatest information in the shortest amount of time, the most digestible information in the shortest amount of time with the most impactful information out there, hosted by the number one coaches in physical and mental health, as well as social and career health as well. I am live with one of those coaches right now. His name is Coach Tom. He's the mental health guy. If you're interested in joining this program or you have any questions about this program, you can reach out to us at stronggentscoaching at gmail.com or send us a direct message on Instagram at stronggents underscore coaching or message us on Facebook at stronggents-menscoaching. Today's podcast is going to be about anger. And we're going to talk with the number one anger specialist on the East Coast, Mr. Coach Ooh. Tom Letson. Back in what year was it that you wrote that? What year was 1999. We're doing good. Highly motivated to get this information out. Okay. Today. We haven't done a podcast together in a while. I'm looking forward to that tonight. And then, you know, I hope um, I hope the information that we share today, uh, someone finds it to be helpful. And and if you have any questions, like Sam, Sam says, please just reach out to us. Um, yeah. So um, I'm happy to talk about the self-help book that I did self-publish um, in 1999. And um, it recently, it's funny, you know, it recently came to my attention because, um, you know, although I published it in 1999, um, you know, I self-published it, meaning I didn't go to a, a major publishing house to try to get it published. I did it all on my own and tried to sell it all on my own. And there were positives and drawbacks to that as well, which I learned over this journey. And so over the last number of years, um, you know, um, I really, you know, haven't sold too many books. Um, but the other day I did you know, um, get a request for the book through Amazon where it's listed. And um, it kind of brightened my day a little bit. And uh, it brought back some memories in regards to, hey, you know, like, like I wrote this thing, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, and although it never hit big or something like that, and not to say that it couldn't maybe hit a little bit bigger if I put a little bit more work behind it, right? And tried to try to market it a little bit better at this point. And who knows, I'm close to retirement from my school job and I may do that. Maybe that's something I might do in my next chapter, but it really stirred up some good feelings uh, about the journey that I took. And it's something that I did that no one can take away from me, right? So even when I pass from this earth and die, like Sam, for, for you and your sister, Abby, this is something that that your dad did and is going to live, right? So if someone might want this book, you know, even after I'm gone. And so um, it's a real cool thing. It, you know, it took me some time to write it. And um, it, there's a story behind it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to share that with you right now. But um, it's something that I don't think at the time, you know, um, you know, because the goal, the reasons that I wrote it were different than how I'm feeling now. Like, I see it now as, as a much bigger accomplishment um, than at the time. 
and all the time commitment that I did and how focused, how focused I was once that idea popped into my mind. And, and then it came a, a goal of, of getting this book out there. Okay. So, um, you know, let me tell you how the thought came up for this book. So people that know me, you, your friends, and, you know, my, my colleagues, my clients over the years know me is to, uh, although I'm a therapist, I'm a counselor. Um, they pretty much would describe me as a regular guy, right? Like, you know, talking to me is not like, you know, um, some, uh, we've talked about this in the past. Um, sometimes uh, people have a stigma in regards to therapy or counseling about what that's like, you know, and um, to go in there and it's uh, talking to, you know, some person that, you know, um, you know, it's talking, uh, you know, certain language that you don't really get and they're kind of stuffy or, or, and, or whatever. You really can't relate to them. And, um, but that's not the case with me. You know, I kind of, I meet people where they're at. Uh, I say that, you know, if someone asked me, Hey, Tom, like, what do you think one of your talents is? And I'm like, all right, like, I'm not real big on that, you know, um, self-diagnosis of my talents, but I can say if, in regards to one talent I have is I, I pretty much feel that I can talk to anybody, relate to them. So I can relate to the to a, a world leader or the president of the United States and, and, and talk at that level. OK, um, with those type of people and, and have them understand me and understand what they're saying to me or a homeless person in New York City. I can talk, you know, at their level and where they're at, what they're experiencing, you know, and I think that, you know, they would uh, respond to me. So if someone asked me, like, what's my talent? I would say that, you know, I'm that type of dude that pretty much anybody can can talk to. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you've used the term coffee coffee shop therapist before, meaning you could walk in any coffee shop, sit down next to somebody and, and have a conversation. So um, I think I get that from you. I can pretty much talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. And it's a good conversation. I connect with multiple levels of people, anywhere from, you know, the best doctors in New York city to, you know, people who are struggling everyday workers. Uh, well, both people struggle, but just the different disciplines, um, the different walks of life. And so uh, it's very important, but I want to just go back to a uh, it's very important to be able to communicate with each, you know, discipline of life. I think everybody walks a different discipline and it's cool to be able to communicate with them because you learn something more about yourself and then they can learn something as well. But you spoke about how you left that book behind. So when you're gone, your kids will have it. Other people will have it. I think it's super cool about writing a book actually is, is when you put something in writing, when you write a book, you are literally putting your thoughts, your mind, your life experience, your personality into something that is going to be there forever or relatively longer than you will be. And so that is one way to keep your legacy, your, your spirit alive long past the time that you have left the earth. I think it's super cool. I think you're going to do more than one book. Um, I know I will. I already have a book as well. And uh, I know I'm going to do a lot more than that. But in terms of the motivation, you know, you were going down the path of saying you can talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere. Right. So so what I was doing at the time as a young therapist, and as you know, uh, I've talked about this, I, I've been a football coach and played football and football coach high school and was pretty successful at that. And, you know, I just kind of retired from that. I coached 23 seasons total uh, since 1986. And at the, at the time, you know, uh, being in my uh, late 30s, um, I was working a part time job uh, at a community counseling center. And part of that part time job was doing some groups. And I was doing an anger management group for men. And so, you know, in studying to do that group and, and bringing in certain information to them and certain strategies that they could use, I just, knew, you know, I, I 
you know, met them and I, I, I understood the type of clientele that I had. Like these were hardworking, you know, dudes um, that had to come for, you know, um, you know, anger management, either, you know, uh, for some family issues or by the court. And I was like, man, these guys are just not going to catch on to this stuff that I'm saying. It's too dry. It's too much. It's too clinical. It's clinical terms. It's counselor talk. You know what I mean? And, and, um, you know, and back then I was like, they're not going to get it. So it really bothered me that they weren't going to get it. And so I just had this brainstorm one day, you know, of, of um, how they could get it, you know, and, uh, and if we used an analogy, okay, um, you know, because, you know, when we use an analogy, something becomes more relatable and you already have a working knowledge of an analogy that the counselor may use. So using that working knowledge, you're more likely, okay, to catch on quicker to the new information that the counselor is presenting, right? And so analogy has always been, a, um, you know, a big tool in counseling. And so at the time, there's a counseling approach called solution focused therapy. And solution-focused therapy is brief therapy, meaning that someone's only going to be involved for a short amount of time, you know, maybe two to six sessions possibly. So they're not going to get into any deep-seated issues. They're looking for a solution for the issue right now, okay? So, um, so uh, you know, in doing that, um, you know, with solution-focused therapists, they look to use the client's present knowledge of something, okay, to springboard and learn something new. So in knowing about solution-focused therapy, I all of a sudden got this brainstorm that I could use the game of football because uh, many men had uh, uh, already had a working knowledge of the game of football and how it worked. So if I could take that working knowledge that they had, okay, and use football, the game, as a metaphor, as an analogy, okay, and develop some anger management strategies and skills, okay, um, from language that they were already familiar with, it would be more likely that they would remember, you know, and so as soon as that light bulb went off, boom, my mind just went a, a mile a minute, okay, and I couldn't get this book off my mind, and um, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, um, you know, this, this wasn't just to do a good thing, you know what I mean, it was going to be a good thing, but I saw dollar signs, and because I saw dollar signs, I'm like, you know what, um, we could use the money, right? So I was young, married, you know, three kids and, uh, you know, bills, who always have bills. And, you know, and um, I thought that, hey, this could really, you know, do a, this could really supplement my income, maybe a big deal. Who knows? So I was all, always, you know, I was also driven by that. So, you know, uh, I would have, I was commuting at the time to work. Uh, you know, I had like an hour, not a long one, about hour and 15 minute commute. Uh, and so I remember I would have to have a pad with me neck, you know, on the seat because I wouldn't listen to the music. I wouldn't listen to my music while I was in this mode. And I, I would get a brainstorm, you know, while I was driving. I was like, oh, shoot, like, I don't remember that. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of when the traffic slowed down, I write a couple things down and remind myself. So the whole thing took about 18 months. OK, uh, from the first time I thought about it to write jotting down my first notes to organize in the book in a, in a book format, chapters, you know, and, and then I had to buy a book on self-publishing, right? Because um, there wasn't any, you know, there wasn't any great internet sites at the time about how to do that. 
Uh, now, of course, self-publishing, if any, you know, if the, anybody in the audience knows or if you knows, it's so easy to do to self-publish. Everything's done online with clicks. Um, I had to find a, a publisher uh, who would publish my books for me. I had to do, I'm going to show you, I did, I did the whole book myself. Uh, I did the cover. I didn't hire anybody. I really didn't have any money to hire anybody. Everybody's like, what is that guy there? That is a piece of clip art from a computer of a football player jumping in the air. Okay, after a score or whatever, right? And so I picked the colors out by myself. Uh, I did everything. Uh, I, I got a couple of quotes for it, um, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, I had to get uh, um, an I, I what? Oh, geez, what is it? ID, I, ISBN number. I forgot what the numbers are. Uh, to you know, you have to, and it's easy, but you have to send to the government, the federal government, okay, to get an ISBN number, okay, for your book. Okay, it's how they how they register books and I had to get copyrighted and all that. So um, it, it's a it's a not a long book. Um, it's it's total reading is about uh, 122 pages. And as you can see, you know, there's a lot of diagrams in this book. All right. And the spacing is is kind of wide and, and it's easy. It's an easy read. Okay, it's an easy read. So it's not it's not daunting you know, to anybody that might not like to read and uh, especially dudes that might be, you know, interested in football, those guys that watch their games every Sunday. And I thought that not only would it be receptive to them, it may also be receptive to their wives or girlfriends. Okay, there it is. Their wives or girlfriends who are like, you know, well, my boyfriend or my husband needs some anger management, but he won't see a therapist. And what type of book do I get him? And all of a sudden they come across this. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to get him this because he's a football fan. So, you know, some of the just off the top of my head, just some of the skills, you know, uh, with the first uh, first major skill, which is a very successful and other people have repeated it. Um, is a is a, two skills combined: behavioral skills and thinking skills or cognitive skills. Before we, um, before real quick, before we get into the details of the book, um, what do you think is the most common denominator um, for men and anger? You know, what makes men really angry? Before we go into like how to solve anger, you know, where does it stem from for most men? Because you've worked with so many, you worked with groups. Um, what is a big contributor to? Anger in men, you know, why do why do men seem to get so ticked off? Well, I think, you know, from my experience, there's there's a few reasons. Right. And there's a there's the most common reason. And then there's less common reasons. OK, um, you know, if we start with the less common reason, um, two less common reasons, actually, um, it may be someone who um, is has legitimate impulse control issues and. Um, you know, um, they're just, they're just off, you now, know, and down to something like bipolar. Yeah, kind is of that, or okay. is other specific mental like diagnosis where it's like impulsive. Well, by, during certain phases, bipolar is swings in mood. Okay. From an up elevated mood to a low depressed mood. So, and there's some, some variations of that. Um, so um, someone can become angry in those mood swings. And, you know, there's certain disorders called personality disorders where people with a personality disorder see the world differently than other people do. So, you know, they because they do perceive the world different, um, they get angry and frustrated a lot easier than other people, even when everyone's like, what are you getting angry at? You know what I mean? 
Um, now, another common but less common than the most common one would be, you know, someone had some issues in their childhood, quite frankly. Um, and uh, let's use an example of someone that was bullied really bad, okay, in school. And they feel that that part of their life is over, okay? Um, but it, you know, but they've never really addressed it and they're angry all the time, you know what I mean? And they think they're past it and it's eating away at them. It's, it's become part of them and they're not really aware um, until they end up in a counselor's office. And well, why are you here? Well, I'm really angry. You know, my wife wanted me to come, she's going to divorce me. You know, I, I don't know why I, you know, I lose my cool all the time. And, you know, and after some time you find out, okay, you peel the layers back a little bit you find out, okay, this person really had a traumatic childhood. Right. And, and so, and they didn't realize that it can follow them. Right. So that's, not as common as the most common reason. So what, what is the most common reason, okay, um, for guys? Sorry about that. Um, the most common reason is acceptance. So most people that walk in, most guys that walk into my office, they think they're coming for it, it, to help with an anger problem. Well, they're really not. You know, I'm like, you know, after I talked to them for a little bit, I said, okay, you're here for an anger problem? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, you have a problem, but it's not anger. It starts with A. I say, but it's, it's not anger, you know, you get angry and that's causing you issues, but that's not your problem. You know, they're like, what is it? I'm like, and we talked about it. It's like, well, you have an acceptance problem. All right. Something's going on in your life. Okay. And by that time, I usually know what it is that you're having a hard time accepting. And because you're having a hard time accepting it, you get frustrated. Okay. And then when you get real frustrated on on real bad days, you act, you act out in anger. And now everybody thinks, and you think you have an anger problem. You really don't. So I'll give you a really common one that guys come to see me, okay? And it's when their relationship changes after they have kids. So that's hard on a guy, okay? That's hard on a woman. I'm not saying that, uh, but it's hard on a guy to accept. You know why? Because life has changed. The relationship has changed. Okay, so um, uh, for now, okay, the expectations that you had prior to kids coming are not going to be met. Okay, uh, that could be time spent together. It could be uh, sex. Um, it could, you know, you're, you're no longer like number one in a relationship. You're number two. The kid comes first. Okay. And so, um, you know, initially guys are okay with that. But then when it starts dragging into months, into years, they get frustrated that things have not, you know, turned around. And then they get angry. You know, and then alcohol sometimes get in the mix. Okay. When someone's frustrated and they're drinking alcohol, um, you know, that's not a good combination. Right. So um, we get a lot of that. So the therapy or the counseling is about working on accepting whatever issue they're having that they're not accepting. Okay. Uh, and when they work on accepting that a little bit more, they become less frustrated and then less angry. So that, that's kind of that's kind of in a in a nutshell about what it's about. So, like, it, would you agree that another way to put anger is resistance? Um, so, like, the problem is they can't accept something, but it stems from a resistance in their life, like they're resisting the change or they're resisting. Well, they're they're resisting it, but they're kind of unaware that they are. Un- you know. Okay. You know, it, now, they're unaware. For, for just like younger men, like, for example, um, it's so funny because you're, you're the anger guy, right? But I had a lot of anger problems growing up, right? Um, they were just displayed. I really look it's back to like displaced emotion. That's what it was for me. We had a, a broken family. Uh, we're going to run out of time in 10 minutes. I got to upgrade. But 
I'll just have to punch these two uh, recordings together. I, I, I look back and I'm like, it was just displaced emotion. Like I didn't have anywhere to go. We had a dysfunctional family. I had no one to talk to. We didn't have a, a tribe. It was always tense in the house. And, but I was labeled as the angry one in the family. I'd have these outbursts. There's holes in my wall at all times. Yes, um, you was scapegoated. <laughs> yeah, I was scapegoat. Yeah, exactly. I was the oh, scapegoat. Right. I was the freaking scapegoat. Now, did I was I out of hand at times? Absolutely. I remember sometimes I was out of hand for sure. But um, why do you think many young men struggle with anger? And I'm someone who's overcome it. I don't get angry really anymore. Sometimes I do. I more so get frustrated than angry. I don't find myself getting angry anymore. I think um, just circumstances and, and life situations have yeah. changed who I am. Um, but yeah. I carried that anger through my early 20s. I carried that until I was like 22, 23 um, you know, growing up with a chip on my shoulder, you know, like getting into fights and just, um, not really being friendly with people and, um, putting like a, try and put a front on. I feel like a lot of young men struggle with that. Is there, do you see that a lot? Have you seen that a lot? And what do you think is the biggest reason for young men? You know, he spoke a little bit on the older men, which is great. We got some of them listening to this podcast as well. You know, things like marriage change, change emotional, um, you know, uh, regularity. Yeah couples and stuff but uh, men. yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you why it's kind of simple when you think about it okay because young men okay um they're new okay to strong adult emotions they're new to it okay and they don't have the life experience yet okay to handle it better okay so you know an example you know you go from you know i'm not big on teenage relationships Okay, because of this very reason. Okay, um, but let's just say that you know a 16-year-old, you know, is dating a girl for a while and and really into her, you know, um, and uh, a year a year prior to that, he was the you know the the, the king of uh, you know of, of Call of Duty, right? He basically didn't have a social life, you know. So, you know, all of a sudden he throws himself into a situation where he's feeling now adult emotions. Okay. Um, and a lot of parents facilitate this, you know, allow this to happen, you know, before kids are ready emotionally. And then all of a sudden the girl just kind of drops it. Right. And, and now he's devastated. OK. And, he, and, and, you know, this is a strong adult emotion that he's not ready. OK. It sucks for all of us. But a young guy who this is new, these are new adult emotions. So young men experience adult anger. Okay, really quickly before they gain un any experience under their belt to handle it in a better way. So obviously everybody's different. Some young men will not handle it well at all. Others moderately, and some will be a little bit more mature about it and be able to handle it. And maybe those kids are a little bit more advanced in regards to their maturity, you know. But um, so sometimes what happens if you want to use an analogy, the cart is before the horse sometimes. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, um, you know, before we get there in regards to understanding our emotions better, um, you know, we, we dive in the pool already of all this adult crap that's going on in our lives as young men. And um, we can't handle the adult anger that comes along with it, you know, um, and part of that you know, um, is that we, we are kind of brought up thinking that anger is a negative emotion, that it's bad to be angry. That is not true. That's like saying it's bad to be happy. 
Okay, anger is just an emotion. It is what it is. It's a feeling that people have, you know, but, you know, so, you know, we think it's like taboo to feel anger. It's normal to feel angry, right? So um, the issue comes if it gets out of control and it gets to be too much. Actually, um, I did a lot of reflection on anger just because I was such an angry, well, perceived angry child. Um, And I did struggle with anger for a while. Um, And I, I came to you, you don't really like, you don't like when I say I don't get angry more, I, I don't, but it's because I've learned to control it a little bit. And I'm, I think anger, like you said, it's not bad, but I think it could be used as a tool. I think there's actually times when you should be angry. I think times anger that, helps you out. Controlled, listen, controlled anger, okay, has made great changes in this world. Yeah, I think, I think being able to learn how to control that anger um, can make you a more powerful individual, especially when you especially in circumstances that may be perceived as dangerous. Like for example, if you are at a bar, um, it's best to calm the situation down. But if it's not, you might have to raise your voice. You might have to put a hand, you might have to put a hand up. You might have to put your foot down. Right. Or if um, somebody is trying to take advantage of you and let's say it could be in a classroom or at work or something like that. And you, you're normally the guy who just brushes things off. And it's something that is very significant. That's a time where you, you raise your voice, put your foot down, you put the, the face on and you make your point. But if it's constant, it's like boy crying wolf. It's like no one takes you serious, right? But people will take you serious if you're calm most of the time and you only use your anger when it's needed. So I came to that realization because I didn't like the feeling of, I realized when I would get angry, um, my rational brain would just shut off completely, right? So I would just be irrational in my bouts of anger. and Because people, there's a physiological reason for that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you get into that fight or flight response and your that limbic brain lights up and you turn into a, you know, a Neanderthal again. Um, but I learned that I did not want to be a puppet to people. And there was one thing you told me when I was growing up, you said, and I remember this conversation, you probably don't because it might've been insignificant to you, but it was significant to me. Um, you just like, I, I forget exactly where we were. We might've been at home. We're in the car or something. And top, I think I might've been angry. And you were like, you got to learn to control this. You know, you got to learn to control this because if you ever get married and you're in the house and you get angry, you know, and you punch a hole in the wall, the wife's going to call the cops on you. And then you're not going to be able to see your kids. You know, she could take, you know, you're going to be in a whole load of, of crap. So you better learn to do this. You actually gave me the advice. I'll never forget this. You gave me the advice. You said, if you're, if you're older and you might have been, maybe you and mom got into a fight. I don't know. Um, you said, uh, if you and your significant other ever get into a fight at home and you think things are going to go sour, you call the cops first and you wait outside on the curb. I'll never forget that. You told me that. You said, because that way she can't put punch a hole in the wall and say you did it, or she can't, you know, rip her shirt and say you did it. And ever since that, that kind of stirred this, you know, subconscious thinking about anger. And I don't like being controlled by anybody. And people well, that's that that's the that's the analogy I make with the with the puppet. You know, I, I I'll hold my hand up in session and I'll go, I said, Do you like being a puppet? Like they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, every time she does this, you know, she she can get you angry. Right. So how's it feel to be someone's puppet? You have no you feel like you have no it doesn't feel good. All right. Stop being stop being her puppet then. Yeah. You know, because if people stop. know what triggers you, they can get a reaction from you and they can make you do something you don't necessarily or you shouldn't right. possibly do. And it puts you in a bad situation. So I've learned to control my anger. I do get frustrated. And I think there's a distinction between anger and frustration. If you want to dive into that and how how can we learn to control that anger a little bit more? How can we become uh, more aware. Okay, well, let me, I'm going to go over one fallacy here that most people know and they think is true. And they are, 
you know, they're, they're not taking responsibility for the behavior simply by saying this, you know, she knows how to push my buttons. So as soon as you say that, you're saying, whoa, like I have no control over this. She knows exactly what to do to me to get me so angry. It's all her fault. So talk to her. I'm like, this person, I'm like, me and you got to talk a lot. Okay. No one. I, I tell people all the time, I say, you can say whatever you want to me and I will choose whether to get angry or not. I'm like, call me, call me whatever you want. Call, I, I, I'm not going to get angry. You know what I mean? You know why? Because I choose to get angry. But when I choose to get angry, I will. So I try to help people. That's distorted. I help to straighten out. It's not, you know, it's not she, she knows how to press my buttons. It's something happens and I decide what buttons to press. Nobody presses my buttons. That's empowering. Once someone starts to understand that, they start to learn the value of self-control self -control and the strength, okay, that comes with self-control, all right? And then when you are controlling yourself and can no longer, you know, give your power away, don't ever do that, okay? Um, then people, you know, you start to influence other people, okay? Um, there is strength in self-control. All right. So we were talking about strength in self-control. Um, so let's give the people a couple of lessons from the book. If they're interested, they can even purchase it. I don't know how many copies you have left, but um, if you're selling on Amazon, the name of the book is Four Downs to Anger Control, Control, Anger, and Strength and Character with Football Concepts and Principles. Um, so Tom's, Coach Tom's going to give you a uh, couple tips on how to control your anger. And then uh, we'll have a couple words and we're going to leave this off about 45 minutes total. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, um, I think that, you know, I opened the book, you know, with a, a quote from Seinfeld. Okay. Um, you know, because I remember, I, re I remember this episode and it really struck me funny. Um, and this is how it starts. Okay. Um, and it's George Costanza talking, right? It says, if it's not about sports, I find it difficult to concentrate, George exclaimed to Jerry in an episode from the NBC sitcom Seinfeld when explaining his difficulty in reading a book for his new book club. Uh, although this scene was from a fictional television series, it is a real-life dilemma for many men who have lived for sports for their entire lives. OK, so I find, found it interesting, you know, that George Costanza would say that because it's real for a lot of guys. Right. So I think that one of the things in the book that I that I felt strongly about and maybe didn't get a lot of attention, you know, was uh, uh, is using the uh, football thinking. OK, as an analogy to help change your thinking about how you approach issues. Right. And so in coaching football, there's a defensive mentality in regards to thinking and there's an offensive mentality in regards to thinking. Right. So a defensive mentality is to react. That's what you do on defense. Right. You know, you don't know what the play is, so you have to react to the guy over you. All right. And you have to react quickly. OK, so defense playing defense does not involve thinking. Very important. It involves reacting to the person across from you. And based on your reaction of, to what they're doing, you're going to do your job. OK, now that's not good when you're dealing with conflicts with people. 
you have to think. You can't just react, okay? We just can't have, you know, uh, some crazy person reacting, okay, running all over the field looking to destroy people, right? Um, that's not what life's all about. So that's not a good way to think. In football, it's a great way to think. I'm a defensive coordinator. If you're a defensive guy, I love you. That's how I want you to, to play. But in life, that gets you in trouble. So what do you want to be? In life, there are no defensive thinkers when we're talking about football. There, Everybody's an offensive thinker. Okay, so what is an offensive thinker? The offense doesn't just come out and snap the ball and react. They have to think. They have a diagram play in their mind. Okay, and when the ball snapped, when the when the action starts, they have to continue to think to get to the spot in that diagram for that play to work. Right. So they have to control their emotions, Sam, in order for the the play to work now that may sound contradictory to a football player like football players you know aren't calm and i'm like yes they are you 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 can have a calm mindset okay but move to your point in an aggressive manner okay in in a physically aggressive manner but do it in a thinking way okay so i call that offensive thinking and so my first um you know um you know skill in the book is to recognize if you're a defensive thinker and try to become an offensive thinker okay chipping away at a problem just like you know uh, a football team on a long drive okay would chip away the defense okay then hopefully to score a touchdown all right so uh, that a lot of guys get that you know to become think like an offensive guy an offensive thinker um, and from that, there's a few, um, decent skills that again, we use footballs analogies. So guys catch on and probably the most, the one that's most useful is called the time technique. And this is applicable to, to just about any sport. Uh, you know, I use football in, in this instance, because we already know that in a sporting event, when you call time, that's a stop in action. Why do we call time? We call time to stop everything, to think. Okay, to think about what's happening and to think about what to do next. So the time technique. And I'm, you know, I'm very big, okay, um, you know, uh, by uh, making um, what, why is this word escaping me? When each letter in a word means something. Um, what's the term for that? Um, Please um, don't like, uh, like an acronym? Yes, an acronym. I can't believe the whole book's based on acronyms and I'm, because it's late, I can't even think of the word acronym here. But um, I'm big on acronyms, okay, because people remember them more, they're more likely to remember them, okay? So the time technique, right away we know we're supposed to call time, but anybody can say that. There's four steps in the time technique that are very important. The first two steps are thinking techniques, okay, to help you get yourself under the control, okay, so you can um, not have an angry reaction and, and try to solve the issue at hand. If that's not working, the next two are behavioral strategies, okay, to make sure you don't do something that you're going to regret because you're so angry. So let's go through it. The time break, technique. Real quick, break this down. The word time is the acronym. Correct. Right. T-I-M-E. Correct. All right, let's break them down. What's the letter T? All right, so the time technique. The T stands for think. One of the best things you can do when you have rising anger, okay, is to take a couple of deep breaths and tell yourself, think. Why do we do that? Because as you mentioned previously in the podcast, the flight or fight response kicks in. So if people aren't familiar with that, okay, with when that prehistoric, okay, mechanism in our bodies, okay, kicks in. So, you know, way when our ancestors had to either fight or run to, to, to survive, okay, 
um, the blood from your brain rushes to your muscles. So there's less blood in your brain to think clearly. Okay. So that's why you have to remind yourself to think, okay, when you're angry, take a couple of deep breaths. So that's first. So the T stands for think. This, the DI stands for intercept or interrupt. Okay. If you prefer that to intercept impulses, uh, that that your anger is telling you to do something that's going to get you in trouble. Okay, that could be curse. That could be take a step towards somebody. That could be to throw something. Okay, uh, that could be to be sarcastic. Okay, anything that's not going to be productive to help solve the issue at hand. Okay, to intercept those impulses. Okay, uh, so T is think. Think about my anger. Think about staying calm. I is intercept intercept impulses that are going to cause me issues. Okay. If those two things are not working, we go to M. M is common sense. It's move, move away from the object of my anger because I can't, can't trust myself. The, uh, you know, the first two steps are not working. I'm at a high level. Still I'm elevated. I might do something I regret. Let me move away. Now, if moving away for a couple of minutes, okay, is not helpful. Then the E stands for exit, exit completely. It's time to get out of the house get out of the store if that's where you're at, okay, and 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 make a complete break, all right, and then revisit at a later time when you're more calm, okay? So the time technique, take a time out, think, intercept, move, exit. It's easy to remember, all my clients do, and uh, it's a life skill, something you can have for the rest of your life. And that's four steps of anger management, okay, in one technique. That's amazing. So we got two things, offensive thinking, never try and be on the defense, we don't like reacting. And use the acronym, the uh, the helpful tip, time, think, intercept, move, and exit in order to control your anger. That's just a small um, portion of what you put into this book here for Downs Anger Control. There's a lot more in it, especially even um, you know overlapping anger with character building. So you go from just not just overcoming anger, but also like self improvement, uh, which is which is pretty cool as well. So anybody who's struggling with anger. You can, one, uh, join the Strong Gens program where we attack that in multiple layers. Uh, two, actually, number one, buy the book, Four Downs Anger Control, because that's going to be immediate for you. Number two, Strong Gens Coaching, because we have to set things up for you. Um, and then number three is if those two both don't work for you, go talk to somebody. Find somebody in your area. Go get some Go get some help. And, and, and talking helps. You know, and this is not about counseling, but, you know, um, someone who's trained, Okay, to be objective, okay, uh, can really provide you with some good feedback of what's going on. And in the book, Sam, in the book, I, I there's a chapter about counseling, and it's about what's. Let me tell you what the chapter is because in football, again, guys who like football will get this. Okay, um, and it's called "Help from the Crow's Nest." All right, so in the game of football, coaches go up high, okay, to look down and observe the game, and they're removed. You know, and they're not affected by the emotions that are happening on the field. The coach needs them up there because the coach a lot of times gets into the emotions of the game and his thinking, okay, is affected. The guys up there who are removed, okay, they're able to give good feedback about what's happening in the game and what might be the best move or the best strategy moving forward, emotions detached. So that's exactly what a counselor does. A counselor is somebody in the crow's nest who is not involved in your life, who's going to give you a good objective assessment of what's happening and some good tips to help. Okay. And that, that's another analogy from football that's very helpful. I agree. And just from the personal training standpoint of things, you know, 
physical fitness is a fantastic outlet for anger. All right. So um, anger's like we said, it's more of a uh, fight or flight response. It's, it's your sympathetic nervous system versus your parasympathetic nervous system, right? So you're tense, your tonic, things are ready to explode. Um, and if you hold that energy for long periods of time, you're going to have an out, outburst. There's, there's no doubt about it. It happens to everybody. Um, and one way to relieve the tension throughout the body, throughout the mind is through really hard physical work. You're going to release endorphins. You're going to really put some stress on your body, which will force it afterwards through recovery, hopefully, depending on if you get good sleep and so forth, it puts you in more of a parasympathetic state because you're going to be breathing heavier, re receiving more oxygen through your, your lungs and pumping more blood throughout your body uh, to get your brain in, um, out of that fight or flight response. So physical fitness, not only that, but lifting heavy weights, it's an exertion. Um, and it's a way where you can displace your emotions. Um, you can turn on the, uh, the uh, animal part of you in the gym. So when you leave the gym, it is turned off. So if you have not engaged in any type of physical fitness, um, whether that's cardiovascular for long distances to get those same effects, or if it's strength training with really in, in high intensity, you should do so. You should do it two to three days a week. You're going to see a change in not just your body, but your mind as well. You're going to see reduction in um, anger bouts, unless we start to introduce things like PED, so on and so forth, which have had some history of causing emotional irregulation and things like that. But just for the general fitness, who are not touching um, extracurricular drugs in the form of steroids or PEDs. Um, you should not have to worry about having any type of anger outbursts that are uh, closely associated sometimes with males and building muscle. But you should be going to the gym, getting strong and letting those emotions fly. Okay. Exert some physical energy. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, part of, you know, exercise just in general is part of a good stress management program. Right. Um, so um, if that's that if exercise is a normal part of your life, you're already prepared. OK, when life takes a little twist or turn, you're already prepared. OK, because, you know, you have a, a good stress management program already in action. All right. And so, um, you know, and then if you need extra, like adding a counselor or getting some counseling, that's an extra that you can add to your stress management plan, depending on what's going on in your life. So absolutely. It also okay. relates back to the time acronym in the form of exit, right? Um, a place you can go in a situation where you're angry is you can go to the gym right then and there. Sure you can. To the gym and get that yeah. angry. And then you can you, you, you can go back up to the top and think, OK, it can help you get exert some of that that energy is that some of the, that anger emotions. And then, you know, you're by yourself and it's a solitary activity. And then you actually get some good time to think, and you might start thinking a little bit differently about the situation and how you might want to approach. It. All right. So that's all we got for tonight. Um, that's only one segment of anger. I do want to touch upon another segment of anger in future episode in regards to um, uh, alcohol and drug abuse and how that can uh, alter the uh, brain and maybe make your anger worse. So uh that's something we could touch upon. But for now, that is it, Coach Tom. Go buy his book, Four Downs to Anger Control, found on Amazon. If you're interested in coaching with us, too, for physical fitness and mental health, reach out to us at stronggenscoaching at gmail.com. Until next time, people. Peace out. See you guys.